0: Good morning, I'm Chris Williams, and you're listening to Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7. Often we hear that beauty comes from within, but it turns out just the way we look can affect how other people react to us, for better and for worse. Magic mirror on the wall, who
1: is the fairest one of all?
2: I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay. And I pity any girl who's in me today.
0: Please, I beg of you, will you just shut your beautiful pie hole? Today on the show, we're talking about the economics of beauty and how attractive people benefit in some situations and don't in others. First up, I talked to Daniel Hammermesh, author of Beauty Pays, Why Attractive People Are More Successful. He's also a professor of economics at UT Austin. Your book is called Beauty Pays, Why Attractive People Are More Successful. How are you defining success here? Is it based basically on how much money a person's making?
1: In that case, part of it is just money, the job market, the kind of job you get, how much more you make, yes. But there are other dimensions where being beautiful helps you economically also such as getting a better loan, an unsecured loan. You do better if you're better looking, getting a higher earning mate or even a better date.
0: So success here is is not so much about personal fulfillment as much as economic earnings.
1: It's only economic, but it's not just earnings. It's also other aspects of one's economic dealings.
0: So what got you interested in researching this?
1: Oh, it just happened about 20, good grief now, 21 years ago. I was doing some other work and I saw that one of the sets of nationally available data I was using had information on the beauty of the respondents as rated by interviewers and I said it'd be fun to work about this, work on this and think about the economics of it and how it affected outcomes. Got me started on what are now I think eight papers plus
0: the book. Was this something that was sort of hard to get into because a lot of people think of beauty as you know, the common phrases in the eye of the beholder that's very <laughs> subjective. So, so how do you approach that aspect of it? You know, what constitutes beauty?
1: Well, there are two ways of looking at it. In some of the data that I used, it's just one interviewer uh, rating the people whom he or she is interviewing. And, of course, there you only have one opinion. But in other studies, I used pictures of people. And in each of those cases, I had four, or in some cases, six, interviewer, you know, six raters rating the pictures. There's a remarkable, a remarkable degree of agreement among raters. If you go down the street yourself and along with somebody else and look at people, and each of you make a list of how good-looking you think the people you pass by are, uh, you'll get a pretty close agreement with your fellow who's doing the ratings. People agree, not perfectly, but they agree to a very large extent about who's good-looking and who's not.
0: I was just wondering if you could talk specifically about some of the Bigger findings in that you found
1: researching. Sure, Over the years, let's yeah, think sure. about it. One is that and then this has now been replicated for a whole bunch of economies. So I think there are now about ten studies looking at the impact of beauty on earnings holding constant for everything else that we know affects earnings. And you get anywhere for the top third of good looking people, you get anywhere from five to ten percent extra earnings compared to the average. And for those who are below average, you might get ten uh, percent lower earnings than the average group and by below average i mean the worst looking sixth or seventh of people that's a crucial finding second finding is these effects seem to be at least as large for men as for women most recent work beautiful people tend to be happier than less good-looking people and equally so for men and for women but the effect for men works because they earn more and do better economically, a large part of it is that indirect effect, whereas for women it's almost all the effect that, boy, I'm good-looking, I feel great about myself. In other words, a more direct effect on their happiness. But the total is the same. I think those are the three major pieces of results that I've gotten in my own research. Of course, there's now a huge amount of other stuff too.
0: Let's sort of take those one by one and and just starting (laughs) out with earning more money. So where does that come from? Does that come from... And I guess this would sort of apply to all of it. Just is it coming from other people's reaction to beautiful people or is it coming from within them? You know, they have more self-confidence.
1: It's it's really not self-confidence because in one of my studies and another study somebody else did, we had other measures of self-confidence. And when you include those in the statistical analysis, the impact of beauty is almost unchanged. So it's not coming from within. It's not self-confidence. It is that you and I would rather buy from a good-looking person you'd rather have a good-looking colleague etc etc and employers will pay more for that because the good-looking workers going to generate more money for the employer question is why is they generate more money for the employer and that's because we just all think better-looking people are better in a variety of ways it's all of us it's not the employer doing it the employer is just an agent for customers preferences it, it, it's, it's, in, it's in our not in our genes, but certainly in our culture that good, beautiful is good.
0: And, and these are all types of jobs, right? We're not just talking about things where we would think being beautiful would be a commodity like acting or modeling.
1: I think it's almost everything. I have a study for, let's see, the occupations that I and others have done now. Uh, attorneys, I did a study on that, could grief, 15, 18 years ago. Professors, uh, what else? NFL quarterbacks, politicians, etc., etc., prostitutes, all of them. Now, of course, you're correct that people do pick fields based upon their looks to some extent, but even within fields, there's still an effect of the better-looking people. You know the old phrase, a beautiful face for radio? Yep. <laughs> well, I would be happy to bet that even in radio, the better-looking broadcasters do better financially. Because even though nobody can see them, their employer has to look at them and uh, is going to want to surround him or herself with better looking people.
0: And even what you said within fields, you know, beauty is relative. Maybe every model is beautiful, but there is always going to be one that's more beautiful or something like that's that. That's correct. So getting to what you said about men and women, because I think a lot of times we think of women as caring more about their appearance or, or keeping up their appearance, but... It's an issue that affects men as well, right? So it it matters just as much,
1: men or women. The the impacts of looks for men and differences in looks for men on their earnings are at least as large in percentage terms as the impacts of differences in looks among women. I mean, it matters also for men, absolutely.
0: So what do you make of that? Because that's that's kind of surprising because I don't think we think of men being judged by their looks as often as women, but that's the case
1: appears to be the case. It's not just my own work now. This has been replicated by a whole bunch of other studies, both for the U.S. and elsewhere. And uh, I think that's the most surprising result of this entire line of research.
0: And the final thing you said, the third thing, was that they tend to be happier?
1: Yes, they are. Is it it because they have more money? (laughs) Well, it's not just, no, it's not that they have more money, no, because for women, the money effects are very, very small on their happiness, and I look to them, I try to look at the uh, channels by which the beauty affected happiness, and uh, for both men and women, but especially for women, it's this direct effect that I'm good looking, I walk down the street, I feel better.
0: So attractive people have all these advantages, so what are some of the disadvantages facing unattractive people?
1: Well, it's the opposite of that. I mean, people don't think you're as pleasant. You don't get loans. You won't get as high-earning a spouse. You don't earn, get earn as much, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just the obverse of all the things about uh, that good-looking people benefit from.
0: I want to ask now about if it's possible for there to be sort of legal ramifications here in terms of someone feeling discriminated against in a job because of their looks, if they feel as though they've been passed over for a promotion by a more attractive, maybe even less qualified person, does that person have any legal grounds to sort of pursue a
1: lawsuit? In certain jurisdictions, there are laws that, in fact, protect bad-looking people against discrimination on the job or in housing, but that's very rare, only a few places. District of Columbia, certain jurisdictions in California, to a lesser extent the state of Michigan. You have some recourse if you feel you've been passed over or discriminated against because of looks. But by and large, there's very little protection.
0: Is it that people almost sort of accept this as a fact of our culture? They sort of resign themselves to say, oh, you know, that person's more attractive. They're obviously going to have more advantages than I am. Or or is it something that people want to change?
1: No, right now I think people accept it as part of our culture. But what the heck? We accepted discrimination against racial minorities 75 years ago, and yet that's changed totally. So I don't see any reason why this couldn't change someday either.
0: Well, I think it's hard harder to define who um, falls into what category because you you know you have beautiful people and you have unattractive people, but then you have a lot of people in between who are who are average looking or, or normal
1: looking and.
0: You know where do they play into all this?
1: I don't think when one is talking here about protecting the average person, I think there are people who we most people would agree are really in the bottom one or two percent of looks I mean really ugly people, and I think we could agree since people when we do these ratings do agree on this. That uh, here is somebody who if they come up and say, look, I've been denied promotion because of my looks, people would say, yeah, this is really an ugly person and this is against the law and therefore some kind of redress seems merited here.
0: I'm just wondering if you have any information about numbers in terms of um, how many people in this country would be considered beautiful versus how many would be considered in that bottom percentage?
1: Well, it's totally arbitrary. Different countries have different standards. Some countries people are much nicer about commenting on others' beauty than we are here. In the, most of the studies I've done, U.S. data, uh, for the average person, we're talking maybe 10, 12, 14% included in the below average category, of whom maybe 1 or 2% are considered quite homely. But I think we're talking about the bottom couple of percent here only.
0: So, what do you think of your findings? Do you think they sort of confirm? the superficiality of our culture and and almost encouraging certain people to feel bad about themselves or want to
1: change the way they look i don't think it's a superficiality of culture i just think that we're wedded to some notions of ideals that actually had some benefit evolutionarily in the past when being good looking was a sign of good health i mean if you were unhealthy you had all kinds of disfigurements Today, it's really quite irrelevant for anything for evolutionary purposes, and I view this, therefore, as attitudes that are left over from old times.
0: Being attractive is almost
1: as important as what you bring to the table in terms of intelligence? Certainly matters a lot. It matters. I mean, the effects on earnings may be the same as an extra year, year and a half of schooling. It matters. It's one of a whole bunch of things that matter greatly in determining how much people are paid, yes.
0: Thanks a lot. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Have a good one. Say,
0: hey, good what you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? This is Chris Williams on WFUV ninety point seven, and you're listening to Fordham Conversations. We're talking about the economics of what we look like and how it shapes how other people treat us. Now we'll look at a study by two Fordham professors about how attractiveness relates to online social lending.
2: Well, I'm Laura Gonzalez. I'm a finance professor at Fordham University. I'm Yulia Kamarova. I'm a
3: marketing professor at Fordham University.
0: Before we dive in, it's important to know what online social lending is. So here's the way it works. Instead of going through a bank for a loan, people can use one of these websites called a peer-to-peer lending site. People in small businesses can borrow money from other people and get it faster than through traditional ways. The borrowers get money quickly and hassle-free, and the lenders collect interest. The site is set up almost like a regular social media site or a dating site. Lenders can look at borrower profiles that include pictures and credit ratings to decide if it's a good fit. So in order to determine how attractiveness factors into this, Laura and Yulia altered the borrower photos and saw its effects on the lender's decisions. The study found that attractiveness may actually hurt you when it comes to securing a loan. We talked more about how the study was done and what to make of these findings.
3: Our initial explanation was very much based on evolutionary psychology that would argue that when a human being sees a significantly more attractive other, this competitive mindset is activated. In other words, of course, you know, if you ask him or her, they would never confess and they don't even know about it, right? But it's a very intrinsic sort of automatic influence that we're all subjected to. So our um, takeaway was that, in fact, in an online peer-to-peer lending setting, people get this competitive mindset. Right Because it's an auction based system, we find that when an attra- uh, when a male lender considers an application for a loan from a more as opposed to less attractive other male, the competitive mindset is perhaps the most triggered the most or is more intense, and that's evolutionary explained. Males are generally more competitive
0: because would you say that if, if someone were to see a picture of an attractive person? Or an unattractive person, that they might ascribe certain characteristics to that person just based on the picture, without actually even considering the other information, without the you know the profile, the credits, ratings, and all that. Do you think they might overlook that and ascribe certain traits?
2: It was not possible before because when people uh, were just lending from banks, one could not examine at uh, the. Uh, loan officer, right? But now we have people with uh, gender and age and uh, perceptions of their own attractiveness, because one thing that we found interesting is that, yes, of course, they are coming to conclusions about uh, the borrowers based on their photo, because the objective information in the loans is very much standard, so they are really judging the photos. And uh, what uh, we find also is that it affects the way they see themselves.
3: The pictures present an opportunity for lenders to what in psychology we call thin-slice judgment. In other words, we really make sort of these intuitive judgments of others within the first five seconds of meeting them. That's just the bottom line. And it seems like everything else that happens afterwards is either Proving us or disproving our initial sort of take on the person, right? So when it comes to online lending, many of the applications, once you sort of decide on what credit rating you're comfortable with and you look at the applications with about the same credit grade, many of the applications, we're talking about thousands if not more, uh, look very much the same. So what you're looking for is something that would actually differentiate one from the other. And unavoidably being humans, we're looking at pictures and we ju- judge somebody's trustworthiness and credi- uh, credibility based on their appearance. That thin slice judgment I've mentioned. Under some circumstances, objective information would actually be ignored and more importance would be given to how one looks. Um, seems counterintuitive because we're talking about numbers and finance, but in fact when f- we find support for that. We find that especially with that highly competitive male population, they are completely ignoring the credit rating. Even when it's outstanding versus just average, right, which is huge for risk purposes or for risk assessment, we find that they completely ignore that objective information differences and cues and pay more attention about how attractive one looks.
0: It's interesting because a lot of studies that have to do with attractive people, beauty, it, it's hard because it, it's arbitrary. You know, Not everyone would ag- maybe agree who's attractive or who's unattractive, but with your study, you're not making that judgment. You're letting the borrowers and the lenders, you have them in the system already, and it's them that are deciding, oh, this person might be more attractive. Is, is is that right, or or did you specifically mark, oh, this person's attractive, let's see how that person fared within the study?
2: Yeah, so we control for it in the design. Uh, we were very lucky to have one Fordham student that could help us Photoshop headshots. So we have a bunch of guys and girls, originally attractive, and this Fordham student who knew a lot about uh, Photoshop, helped us alter the photos in such a way that they would be still realistic, but significantly less attractive. So we know whether uh, a loan application uh, decision has been made based on an original photo or an altered, less attractive one.
3: So just a couple points. So for one, um, I think that answers in part your question, is that beauty is definitely in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. So it was important to us that knowing and understanding the sample that we would be using for our experiments, we would pick and choose and Photoshop one's appearance or our model's appearance in fact, to be perceived as more or less attractive by this particular sample. So I almost guarantee if we took you the same photo, uh, photo, uh, photos or same headshots that we've pre-tested for US population, let's say to Korea, um, or some other country that, you know, perceives beauty very differently Mm -hmm. to a large extent, uh, we would probably find very much noise, or a lot of noise in the data, in other words, because the perceptions of beauty would not be in a way that we would anticipate. Um, however, we are pretty confident with heavy pretesting that we've done with these images that, in fact, they were perceived as more or less attractive by this specific sample of um, individuals that we used in our studies.
0: Yeah, so you had these, these models who appear to be the same person in profile, and the only difference is the image. So some people saw the attractive image of the model and uh, other people saw the unattractive Photoshop version, but the rest of the information of that profile was the same, and you found what?
2: Well, what we find is that overall looking too young doesn't help uh, because uh, lenders interpret youth as lack of experience. But again, what we find is that the general public may be influenced by all these Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg uh, stories, they are more willing to, to give an opportunity to young entrepreneurs. But considering uh, that age is a big clue when making a lending decision, beyond that, we find that a relative gender and relative beauty matters. Uh, so the older the lender, Uh, the more likely they are to give smaller loans. But the strong effect is with relative gender. Male lenders tend to penalize male borrowers when they are attractive.
3: Um, And again, that goes back to our evolutionary psychology take on things, right? Um, And a lot of evidence from previous research that suggests that these peer-to-peer sites that act like auctions, they create this mindset of competition, right? And whenever people become competitive and they adopt this competitive mindset, they act in a competitive fashion, which is not always the best way to act when you're looking at returns on your investments. This competitive mindset actually hurts or may potentially hurt lenders because they seem to really cue in on how one fares against the other in terms of attractiveness. So if I'm a male lender and I see another male applying for a loan, I will penalize him, um, not knowing, obviously, uh, for his attractiveness and not give him the loan or less likely to give him a loan despite the fact that he has excellent credit rating um, and otherwise is very capable. right? So these very um, automatic subconscious almost, to some extent, judgments of creditworthiness or trustworthiness, all that because... There's something about our confidence that happens when we're exposed and we're in a competitive mindset when we're exposed to somebody who is attractive, right? Our self-confidence perhaps goes down, and that then bleeds over into our confidence in this particular loan application.
0: A male lender would be biased against an attractive male borrower. How would he react towards an attractive or unattractive female?
2: Uh, What we find is that the female has an outstanding credit rating, she gets um, a bigger loan, Uh, but the males don't.
3: Um, And that's why we have all the reasons to believe that it's that evolutionary competition that drives the effects, because men get competitive with men and women get competitive with women. It's about that evolutionary competition, right? Uh, Not competition in the sort of everyday sort of way. So um, that's why you don't see attractive women being penalized when it comes to male lenders and vice versa. The penalty or the punishment only occurs when it's the same gender lender and borrower
2: pairs
0: you know, assuming a heterosexual male lender would not be biased against an unattractive woman versus an attractive woman?
2: People tend to be more rational when it comes to evaluating the loan application of someone of the opposite gender.
3: Um, Yeah,
2: I think generally
3: I wouldn't be surprised to find some attractiveness premium, actually, when it comes to cross-gender lender and borrower pairs. And we are yet to sort of figure this out as to what controls need to be put in to really test that. Uh, but to answer your question with the information we have right now, we don't observe this attractiveness-based punishment across genders, assuming you know that the female and male are heterosexual and competition is sort of within one, the same gender.
0: So it would almost be that a male lender wouldn't want to give an advantage to an attractive male borrower because the idea behind it would be that, oh, like that'll help him get ahead. And other people in the world are inclined to give advantages to attractive people. So I'm not going to help him get there. Is that sort of correct? I'm, I'm just trying to think of the, the reason behind it.
3: I think if you ask someone, that's exactly, actually, that's a very well nailed process there. However, as you can imagine, it all happens under the radar of consciousness. So if you ask one to confess or provide the rationale for why they've judged or made the lending decision the way they did, they would never, ever come up with that solution because it seems so irrational and so sort of not productive even, right, when you're looking at performance of these loans going forward. So you're shooting yourself in the leg, in a sense.
0: I almost wonder if, do you think your research sort of points towards a new idea or the notion that can attractiveness be a detriment to you in situations outside of your research? You know, not necessarily the peer-to-peer loans, but are there other things where you would expect to find almost similar findings to what you found, where where people who are attractive might, you know, it's not a pro, it's a con.
3: Well, I certainly feel like there's got to be more to one than attractiveness, right? Attractiveness alone won't get you far. Um, So even in the peer-to-peer lending, you know, we control for many things. Um, And uh, we ultimately, if if an applicant or a borrower was outstanding on all parameters... I think even being attractive would not hurt them as much because at some point reason will prevail. Certainly there are contexts where attractiveness will hurt you or you emphasizing your attractiveness too much and putting that foot forward would hurt you. Especially in the professional context where you definitely want to be judged by, by um because of your expertise and professionalism, and less because of what you wear and how you look. Mm -hmm. One thing I think, and this is not totally new, just more of a reminder, I think that um, with the social media and social media offspring, such as P2P lending, one needs to be mindful of the type of images that one Mm -hmm. puts out there, which is very much a shared space. Privacy is a very relative term. It always has been, but especially now with social media. So I think with that, uh, with our research, we contribute to understanding of what is that appropriate image given the context. So if, let's say, you go on match.com or some other dating site, uh, perhaps you would benefit from putting your more attractive photo on there, and one would only expect that people would do that. And perhaps intuitively people would do the same on a P2P landing site, but again, our findings would suggest you should do otherwise, or at least present a photograph um, that would not be a glamour shot. Our research emphasizes the importance of being mindful of the type of image of yourself or a group of others that you put out there in the uh, P2P space.
0: That's a really interesting point in terms of Now I'm just thinking about social media in general and how we're sort of judged by our profiles. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you're not getting an idea of the person, necessarily. You're getting their picture and a small bit of information. But there are things that wouldn't come across as they would in a face-to-face interaction. Um, The person's mannerisms or, or their tone of voice. Do you think that has an effect, too? Let's say, if these lenders and borrowers were to come face to face would that have an effect on on the outcome
3: yeah i, I th- definitely i think uh judging somebody like a thin slice type of judgment would be um is very ha- presents very limited information if you're doing so from a still photo as opposed to you know having all the proxemics and other nonverbal cues and sort of not not even facial cues that you would um sort of make an assessment of when you meet somebody in person. So certainly it limits you in many ways. And I think that's sort of the downside of social media and living your social life via social media, uh, which we all know many people do.
0: This has been Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7. You can hear our show every Saturday at 7 a.m. And don't worry if you've missed a show. They're all available to stream at WFUV.org or to download as a podcast. You can also like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned. George Bodarki and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Chris Williams.